Lord put this series on my heart, How to Win Within, because our greatest battles that we will ever face are actually within ourselves. They're in between our ears, they're in our hearts, and if the devil can get us to quit before we ever get to our breakthrough, then he's won if he can get us to give up within. As I was praying and preparing for this, the Lord revealed to me that there were many people in certain areas of your life that you are at a place where you're throwing your hands in the air and you've quit. Maybe you've quit believing God for something. Maybe you've quit in a certain area. Oh, no one else knows it. You haven't even verbalized it to your spouse, but deep within you know, I've given up. I've just simply quit. So today's message is simply entitled, and our first message in the series, Quitting Isn't an Option. Poke your neighbor, I can tell you're very enthusiastic about this message. See, to poke your neighbor and say, quitting isn't an option. Now look to that same person and say, you didn't sound very convincing there. And tell them, quitting isn't an option. Let's just say that again. See, I'm wondering if we've got a bunch of quitters that are trying to convince somebody else that quitting isn't an option. Let's just say it again. Let's say it again until we get it deep in our spirit that what? Quitting isn't an option. I'm telling you, this is one of the greatest ploys of the devil. If you will, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to have some fun in this series and just take it week by week and go from there and see what happens. Quitting isn't an option. We're going to be hitting all kinds of stuff in this series. Quitting, how to get wisdom, facing fear, dealing with anxiety. How do you gain wisdom in your life? All kinds of stuff that's going to help us in our lives and our walk with Christ. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, if you've got it. I want you to stand for the reading of God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. If you got it, shout out amen. amen. Now shout out amen as if you're enthusiastic that the Bible is the word of God. Amen. amen. 2 Corinthians 4, 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, watch this, we do not lose heart. Let me give you a good old-fashioned Georgia language. We don't quit. Shout that with me. We don't quit. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for your word and your presence. I thank you for the series you put on me, God, that I know is for this day and this hour. And God, I pray you speak to us through your word. Not one word of my own, but every word from the throne of God into our hearts and let it grow and bear forth fruit in our lives, God. I pray, God, when we leave here, there will be a new resolve in those areas of our life, there be a new conviction inside of us for you and your word that we will not quit on you, Lord Jesus. And now speak through me, God, not again, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. In Christ's name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears 
Anoint my heart. Anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five somebody and say quitting isn't an option. An elderly lady was once asked by a young man who had gone weary in the struggle, and he was talking to her, seasoned lady in the Lord. He said, I'm beaten every time. I've just, I've, I've given up, and I'm just done. She smiled at him, and she said, did you ever notice, have you ever noticed, that when the Lord told the discouraged fishermen to cast their net, it was in the exact spot, maybe on the right side of the ship, left side, but basically the same spot where they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. Isn't it amazing that when we simply won't quit at something, somewhere along the way, breakthrough actually will happen. People today quit too easy. Quitting is defined by Webster as to give up, to depart from or out of, to leave the company of, to give up employment, to cease normal, expected, or necessary action. And watch the last part, to admit defeat. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think and I'm tempted to quit in certain areas, certain things, I think, boy, the devil wins and it makes me mad. We don't fight flesh and blood. We fight the enemy, the devil. People today quit difficult marriages. They quit jobs. They quit hard jobs. They quit hard bosses. Anyone can start anything. Anyone can start and have a honeymoon, but it takes a certain mentality to stay and finish the job. Somebody say amen to that. So, so how do you win within? Because quitting is just the easy way out. It's the simple way to deal with things. Look at this same scripture in the message version of the Bible. I like how it puts it. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, we are not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. You know, if we ever run from all of our issues and problems and tough times, then we'll run the rest of our life. Somewhere along the way, perhaps some of you have done that, we got to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? I may not be able to change my circumstance. I may not be able to fix these areas, but by golly gee whiz, I don't have to quit at it either. I can keep fighting. I can keep believing. I can keep praying. I can keep worshiping. I can keep trusting in God. So what do you do when everything in you wants to quit? What do you do when you want to give up, but you realize that that's what you're supposed to do? How do you reconcile that within? And that leads me to point number one, and that is this. When you want to quit, remember, number one, people are counting on you. Poke your neighbor and say, people are counting on you. If you want to win within, think of how many people are, 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 are counting on you. Listen, what would your world be like without you doing what you do? What would your world be like without you being who you are? If you stopped, who would be affected? Is who you are and what you do so valuable that their lives would be permanently altered by your discouragement? It's very easy to look inwardly and feel the heaviness, the discouragement, the wanting to quit, all these things that we deal with when we go through trials and problems. 
and want to throw our hands in the air and say it would be easier if this, we begin to align ourselves with the children of Israel and say, well, it was better for me in Egypt. I don't want to have to deal with this wilderness. I don't want to have to believe God to split a Red Sea. I don't want to have to believe God to cross a Jordan. I don't want to have to believe God to see Jericho walls fall. It's just easier if we go back. It is so much easier in our minds to go back because we're familiar with it and we know what's going to happen. It takes a little bit of muster and tenacity to say, I'm going to trust God and just see what God does. The people who don't quit see walls fall and Jordan River split. The quitters die in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to quit. Someone say a good amen. amen. To win within, understand that you are not here by mistake. Watch what Psalm 139 says. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. In the NLT, the New Living Translation, you, had, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. So how were you created? By God. Let me read it again. This is God speaking. You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Stop before I read any further. Who made you? Who created you just the way you are? Then quit looking down on yourself because ultimately you're questioning God. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. When is the last time you looked in the mirror and said, God, thank you for making this? I don't remember where we were going, but Holly said, oh, oh, that, that hottie there. I said, yes, I still got it. I still got it. 27 years of marriage, she still called me hottie. Woo! Hey, I don't know about you. You can look in the mirror and say whatever you want. I look in the mirror and say, my wife's calling me hottie. You still got it. Woo! When's the last time you looked and when's the last time you got in prayer and instead of whining about your body shape or whining about what you don't like about yourself, that you just simply looked and said, God, thank you for making me wonderfully complex. Gentlemen, if you're married, you know your wife is wonderfully complex. I better move on. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I knew it. Watch this. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. God wasn't caught by surprise with who you are. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day, listen to this, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every day of our life was recorded in God's book. Look, this passage alone is why abortion is so horrible. Because look what God says. He said, I was there when you were created. Every, everything about your life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's how important you are. That's how wonderfully complex you are. That's how beautiful you are in the sight of God. And when you want to throw the towel in and quit, you are forgetting, wait a minute, God laid out my life from one end to the other, and he knows exactly what I'm dealing with. You were created to be exactly who you are. I'm going to talk to you for the next several weeks as a pastor. You were created to be who you are. Don't be someone you're not. 
If there's one thing that I will fight for tooth and nail in this church is that everybody who enters in, just be yourself. You be you. You be authentically you and the real you. That's what we love. We say, well, nobody else wants the real me. Yes, we do. Amen. As a matter of fact, when you put on a mask or a facade, you cheapen what you give the rest of us. I gain the most value out of your life when you are exactly who God created you to be. All the good stuff, the bad stuff, even the weird stuff. Amen. And we all got it. Amen. It's okay. Poke your neighbor and say, you got a little weirdness in you. That's all right. We still love you. My point is this. Be who you are. Be exactly who you are. Don't put on fronts. Don't dare come in this church and feel like you got to be somebody else or be like somebody else. We love you just the way you are. I promise you. Amen. Does everybody agree with that? Praise God. And we gain the most value when you, when, when, out of that. Before you give up on that marriage, you need to ask yourself who around you is going to be affected. Have you thought about your children and what the divorce would do to them? Don't give up on your family. Don't quit on them. Before you give up on your job or your career, ask yourself, how will that affect those around me? How will it affect the boss? How will it affect my colleagues? Is God done with me on that job? If not, then I am aborting his mission in that job. You are on a mission. You are not there by mistake. And until God releases and says, go to this place or whatever it is, you're aborting his plans and missions to reach the people around you. Have you thought about that? Before you give up on church, ask yourself, how will it affect your family? How will it affect your brothers and sisters in Christ? How will it affect the kingdom of God? Pastor, I just can't take this 3 o'clock in Harrison no more. You know, I thought we'd have a building by now. If you give up before God says we're going to another building, who will you affect and how will it affect God's plans? Pastor, I just got to find me another church because this ain't going on in this church and I just got to have this. Well, then perhaps you're the one with the gifting that notices that's missing and you're the answer that God sent to fix that. Is it all right if I just get pastoral on you a minute? Years ago, over a decade ago, I've been doing this 25 years. Over a decade ago, people quit coming to me with problems and the church that they thought we needed to do this. Because I said, well, you notice it. That means it's your gifting. That means you're the president to fix it. Oh, no, pastor. I don't want to do it. I just want to bring your attention. You fix it. Oh, no, 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 no. Your gifting has noticed that it's missing And you're the answer God sent to fix that problem. Amen. It's good preaching. I'm going to keep on going. I can see this is going to be an award-winning sermon right here. That leads me to point number two. When you want to quit, remember that your darkest time is right before your breakthrough. I'm going to say that again. Your darkest time is right before your breakthrough. Remember two weeks ago, 11.59, nothing's changed. The pain is real. Everything is real. But at 12 o'clock, everything changes. To when within, you have to remember the darkest hours just before the break of dawn. Check out David's darkest hour. I really believe this was his darkest hour in King David's life. You will find it in 1 Samuel 30. I don't, I, I, he had dark times, but I think this was the darkest of them all. 
And I'll tell you why here in a minute. Then it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that was their city, that the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Ziklag. And had overthrown Ziklag and burned it with fire. So their city is gone. They took captive the women and all who were in it. So now David's wives are gone. The, the men's children and their wives are gone. Both small and great without killing anyone. Carried them off and went their way. That would be like you going home tonight. And your house is on fire and your family's gone. Put yourself in their shoes. And by the way, David for 13 to 14 years has been running for his life. You talk about fed up with being fed up. Look at the next verse. You go on to the next one. When David and his men came to the city, behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. It's not good. Then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept until there was no strength in them to weep. Have you ever been to the heartbroken place where you couldn't even cry anymore? This is a bad day for them. Now David's two wives have been taken captive. He suffered loss like the rest of them. Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite. In verse 6, moreover David was greatly distressed, I would say. Because the people spoke of stoning him. So now his own comrades want to stone him. It's your fault. For all the people were embittered. People, they're bitter. They're crying. Everything. It's a disastrous day. Each one because of his sons and his daughters. But David, when he didn't know where else to go. When I'm sure he wanted to quit. When he didn't have no answers. He strengthened or encouraged himself. And the Lord is God. He went to God and said. God this is bad. Everything has been turned upside down. Things look grim. Things look bleak. But listen. Listen, listen, listen. David's ordeal at Ziklag that I just read. Came right before his greatest breakthrough. Where he became king of Judah. His worst nightmare happened right before they said, we need you to be king. His running from Saul, listen, for many years. His running from Saul for so many years had ended in Saul's death. By the time Ziklag happens, Saul's dead. But David doesn't know it yet. We read the pages of the Bible and we say, well, David, hang in there because I know the next chapter is coming and they're going to make you king here soon. David doesn't know that. All David knows is I've run from my life with everything in me. Saul's trying to kill me. The Philistines want to kill me. Now the city I have is burned with fire. I've lost my family. I've lost my goods. My own friends want to stone me. Everything is a disaster. And little did he know when he was in that moment, he was already king and his greatest enemy was already gone. He just didn't see the natural yet. You see, his greatest problem was already dealt with, and he didn't even know it yet. Perhaps the doctors have put a death sentence on you, and it looks grim and bleak in the natural, but you don't even know yet that God's already healed you. Things may look grim and bleak, and there is no obvious solution for us to have our own church and our own community at this moment. But perhaps it's already done. We just don't see it yet 
perhaps things look grim and bleak for your lost loved one and it seems hopeless and they're gone off on skid row and everything screams at you that man it's hopeless but perhaps they're already saved they just don't know it yet I'm preaching to somebody I said don't quit sometimes your worst darkest hours come right before your greatest breakthroughs a stone cutter will hit a rock a hundred times without so much as a small crack. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it was split wide open. It wasn't the one blow. It was a hundred before them. Consistent prayer. Look, for us spiritually, it's the everyday prayer. It's the everyday declaration of the word. Everyday worship. Everyday keep walking in God. Everyday keep believing. And finally one day, you will see what you've been praying for. You will see what you've been declaring. You will see what you've been speaking. You will see in the natural what you've been praying for in the supernatural. David thought there was no hope for him. He probably figured he'd be on the run forever. I would have. I'm sure he thought all the prophecies about him, king, were never going to happen. That's a pipe dream. If I could just quit living in a cave and a nook and a cranny gets off my back, I'll be happy. Let alone be king. If you would have come to David when he was staring at Ziklag and everything going on and said, Hey, you don't know it yet, but you're king. He'd have laughed you in the face. Tell me I'm king. Saul's still trying to kill me even though he doesn't know he's dead. And my city's burned. My wives are gone. Everything's a disaster. You're telling me I'm going to be king. Get out of here with that. You ever been there before? Am I preaching Am I preaching to anybody who's been there? There's been times even recently that Holly said something. And I just thought I may not have said it because I fear for my life. But... I thought, get out of here with that. You lost your mind. I'm sure he had, he had quit on the idea of ever not running for his life, let alone becoming king. Little did he know that his darkest day, during his worst moments, are you hearing me? He was already free from Saul, his greatest enemy, and on his way to becoming king. <laughs> you may be in your darkest day, but I'm here to tell you, you may already be on your way to your victory. We may be physically here today, but we are on our way walking into our Rehoboth, on our way into our own community. On our way into seeing new souls saved. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't quit on God. If you want to win within, don't quit on God. Don't quit on the dreams that God has put in you. Do you really think that your circumstances can trump God's dream he put in you? Do you really think what you're up against is bigger than God? Don't quit on the prophecies God has spoken over you. Don't quit on the ministry God has given you. Oh, well, you don't know what they said, Pastor. Oh, well, it's all somebody got to do say to get you out of your ministry. I don't care. Let them talk. Give them something to talk about. Who cares? You do what God's called you to do, and you do it with everything you got for his glory. And if nobody else receives it, you keep doing it anyways. God's the one put that ministry in you. I'm going to preach it like a T.I. is this morning. Somebody say amen. 
Don't quit on his word. Don't quit on what God says. Is your circumstance greater than God's word? Don't let the devil, listen, get you offended at God and cause you to quit your relationship with God. Ted Turner, the great mogul, PBS, Atlanta Braves owner, the whole deal. He's an avowed atheist. When asked, he said, I grew up Christian, I was Christian. He said, my daughter, my sister died of cancer. I prayed for God to heal her. She died of cancer. And so God ain't real. I hate God. Don't talk to me about God. He got offended at God. Jesus said this would happen. So he said in Luke 7, 23, watch this. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Hear me. I sense this and as I was praying today, there's multiple people in here that there's an area of your life you are mad at God because God hasn't answered in, his time, in your time frame. Don't get offended at what you're going through and say, God. Is this all right today? When you feel like quitting the most is when breakthrough usually happens. Your worst storm, your darkest night, your worst nightmare could be right before the sunrise. Hang in there. This too shall pass. You're on the verge of a miracle breakthrough. Somebody say amen. Say it with me. Say, I'm on the verge of my miracle breakthrough I think we ought to say it again I'm on the verge of my miracle breakthrough yeah that leads me to point number three and that is this when you want to quit grow out of your tight places Grow out of your tight places. Look, when we're ready to quit, growth is the last thing we want to talk about. It's the last thing any of us want to think about. We want to cut, bait, and run. Why? Because we don't want to deal with the pain no more. The temptation to quit is because you want to run from the pain. You want to run from the frustration. Quitting means that you have actually given up on faith in God. These are some things that the Lord was downloading on me when I was praying this week. Listen, listen, I didn't come up with this myself. Quitting is really you giving up on faith in God. Quitting means you have lost all patience with God. Quitting means you have lost trust in God. Now, I'm going to pull in the driveway here for just a few minutes if that's all right. Quitting means... That you think you are responsible for the results. Have you ever thought about diving into books, videos, and seminars that will help you grow your way out of it? God is more concerned with us growing through the process than getting to the end result. Barnacles are actually crustaceans of the sea, believe it or not. They're like a crab or a lobster. They attach to a vessel... And then they create a hard shell of protection around it. Like a lobster has a hard shell. And a, it, it creates a hard shell and it gets on the boat or anchors or sea turtles or anything hard. And it will weigh it down and it will be, it, 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 it doesn't drift right. The, the boat doesn't go right. So watch this. If you're the captain of a ship, you have two ways to get rid of those barnacles. 
Number one, you can dry dock it and you can spend weeks trying your best to scrub it off and eventually you will get most of it, but it is a lot of work. Or you can do what captains do when they go to Portland, Oregon to port. They get in the Columbia River on their way to port and as soon as their boat hits fresh water, the barnacles just simply fall off. Why? Because barnacles can't survive in fresh water. So a shipmaster has one of two ways he can do it. He can grind it out with everything he's got, beat his head against the wall and kill himself and his crew for two weeks. Or he can find a river, get in it, and they simply fall off. I'm here to preach to you today and say you can work yourself to the grind. You can fight through those tough times. You can beat your head against the wall and say if it kills me, I'm going to get through this. Or you can simply give it to God and walk in his peace. The choice is ours. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says it this way. Come to me, Jesus speaking. Come to Jesus, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? He didn't say you're going to work yourself for the next three weeks till you get every barnacle off your spirit person. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my, watch this. Take my, look, this is like pulling the ship into fresh water. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, rest for your mind, will, and emotions. For my yoke, watch this, is easy and my burden is light. We have an option today. Quitting is because we're trying to do it. Quitting means I'm just, I'm tired of God's timing and I want it now and we're going to do it now and I'm trying and it's not working. Listen, why not? Let's just give it to God and say, well, God, it's in your hands now. I believe I'm going to walk where your burden is light and your yoke is easy. Allow God to grow you through it. Start growing. Start uh, stretching. Start growing so much spiritually that the buttons start popping off your spirit inner man because you're growing in God so much. Somebody say amen. Understand you can't run from yourself. Listen, often we think discouragement are the result of someone else. Actually, I have been around for every mistake that I have made, every bad decision, and every wrong road I've taken. Own it. Don't blame God. And don't blame someone else. 1 John 1, 9 tells us very clearly, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, some things do belong to others. Some things belong to the devil. Some things belong to circumstances. I get that. But if we're going to win within, you got to own what belongs to you. Let me just pull right up on here in the living room here just a moment. You are the one that chose that relationship, and you're the one that chooses to continue to stay in it. You're the one who took that loan you shouldn't have. You're the one who quit that job God didn't tell you quit. You're the one who ran out on your family. I'm going to preach. Quit blaming others and own it. Admit your mistakes and take steps to correct it. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Look, if you don't look in the mirror and change yourself, quitting this problem will only postpone it. I need to say that again. That was too good. If you don't look in the mirror and change yourself, quitting the problem you're dealing with right now is only going to postpone it. At some point, you've got to deal with you. Can I get real for just a moment? Is the problem really your ex, six ex-spouses? Did you really find six awful people?
Oh, I'm preaching. This is real, ain't it? Think about this for a moment. Was the problem on the last 12 jobs that you just had the most 12 evil bosses known to man and they just happened to fall in your lap, every one of them? Let me pull up a little bit tighter. Is the problem really that you just found the other seven wrong churches? See, we're good at blaming bad bosses, bad spouses, bad children, bad churches, bad everything. At some point, I was taught if Peter's got a problem with Paul and Peter's got a problem with Sonny and Peter's got a problem with Dallas and Peter's got a problem with Sonny and on and on, it, Peter could be the problem. If right now you have someone in your mind, then you're not the Simon Peter. If in your mind you can't think of one, you probably Simon Peter. Own what belongs to you. Quit blaming others. There are no perfect churches. If you find fault in seven other churches, you will find fault in this one and the next one and every one you ever go to. I'm, old, I'm just going to say it like it is. Quit blaming others. Admit that you have been wrong and take steps to, to fix it. Go to the people and apologize. Let me throw this. I know this is crazy. Have you ever thought, call your ex-spouse and apologize? You don't know what they did to me. I may not know that, but I know you weren't perfect. And it might just be what they need for you to call and say, hey, I know things ended on a bad note. It's been 20 years. It's been two years. Whatever it's been. I'm sorry for the things that I did wrong. I apologize to you. Have you ever thought about going back to a, to a boss that you left the wrong way on and just calling him and saying, hey, I left wrong. And I was a rascal. I mean, you weren't easy to live with either, but I was a rascal for an employee, and I, I'm sorry. I don't blame you for being mad. I was late all the time. I was slacking off. I apologize. Is it still okay to apologize? I told you, this is going to be a practical series here today. I hope the attendance don't go down next week. We'll see. Swallow your pride. One of my friends says, hey, once you get past the feathers, eating crow ain't so bad. First Peter 5, 6, therefore humble yourselves. Did you know that you can ask God to humble you and he won't do it? Nowhere in the Bible does it say God will humble you. You have to humble yourself. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I better move on because we were going, we were from amens to oh me's and now I'm feeling daggers. So we're going to go on to the next one. My last point is this. When you want to quit, don't quit because of other, others' opinions. Whatever you do, don't quit because of others' opinions. Don't worry about what other people are thinking about you because guess what? They're not thinking about you. I'm going to say it again. Don't worry about what other people are thinking about you because they're not thinking about you. 
A lot of people quit because of what other people think or what they think they think. If you live your life for God based on what other people think, then you will never live the life God has planned for you, I promise. They'll have you in the grave. They'll have you totally broke. They'll have you busted and disgusted and by yourself. Matter of fact, we're just, if you're in the Bible reading program, we're in Nehemiah right now. And Sanballat laughed his sides off at the wall building crew and said, if a fox walks on that wall, he will break it down. Well, guess what? In 52 days, Nehemiah finished the wall. And guess what? I did a little research this week. Part of the eastern wall is the original Nehemiah's wall in 2022. Who's laughing now, Sanballat? Listen, don't let what other people say, the devil, your enemy, or people who don't know you, they don't know what God's called you to, they don't know what God's put inside of you, and let them let you quit. You keep marching to what God says. I picture God in heaven going, sand ballot, I summoned you from hell right now. I want you to look. You see that wall you laughed at? It's still standing. Back to the fire for you. If you're going to win within, you have to quit worrying about what other people think. Who cares? After resigning his pastorate to go lead another church, a pastor approached and a, uh, an endearing older member who was sobbing, crying. She said, Pastor, what are we going to do? Nothing's going to be the same now. Trying to comfort her and console her, he said, don't worry. I'm confident you'll get a new pastor that's better than me. She kept sobbing. She said, well, that's what the last three pastors have said, and they just keep getting worse. I was a five-year youth pastor, my first day on the job as a pastor, 27 years old. Caitlin had just turned seven. Haley had just turned four. We didn't know nothing from nothing. Aaron wasn't even thought of. We were not confident. We had been through a very traumatic experience. We, we, we just, we were not, I don't know what the church was saying. They lost their mind to hire us to be their pastor. And we got in there, and I didn't know this now. I know him now. I still contact him from time to time. But one of the elders, he came to me with a very serious look on his face and he said, well, first Sunday, he said, we asked the church of God for a pastor and they sent you. He said, so we called him back. Said, can we have some more choices? They said, nope. Dallas is the bottom of the barrel. So he said, I guess we got you. I thought, well, welcome. And then he put a smile on his face and he said, welcome to Bremen. <laughs> Look, if you're going to win within, live your life to please God. Don't be a people pleaser because you can't please everybody anyways. Galatians 1.10 speaks to this. And Paul said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, watch this, I would not be a servant of Christ. Who wrote this? Okay, Paul wrote, Paul penned the words. Who wrote this? The Holy Spirit said, watch this. 
If I'm trying to please people, I'm not a servant of Jesus. Let me say that again. If I try to live my life to please people, the Holy Spirit said, you go back here. He said, I would not, I am not, I will not be a servant of Christ. Why? Because Jesus is going to have you do some things that are not going to be pleasing to some people. Is anybody freed by this? The next time somebody gets mad with you or they don't like something you did, say, hey, I'm a servant of Christ. Husbands, that won't work very much on your wife. Don't try it. Let me close with this. Character is built when you don't quit. Anyone can see it's a dark hour for you. Anyone can see when things are not going well in your life. We all can. But you know what? Paul and Silas sang songs in the darkest hour and solitary confinement when things looked horrible. They didn't let pain, they didn't let rejection, and they didn't let injustice stop them. Keep on singing and keep on praising. I want you to say it with me. Say, keep on singing and keep on praising. If you want to win within, you got to keep singing and you got to keep praising. God is watching and was watching and an earthquake rumbled through town. Their chains fell off. Prison doors were open and the jailer took them home to a good home-cooked meal and him and his whole family got saved. Don't quit. Keep singing and keep praising. The chains that you are bound with are about to fall off. Keep praising, keep singing. The doors that have built, held you back are about to be open. The doors that have held our church back are about to swing wide open. The chains that have tried to hold us back are about to be loose. Keep singing, keep praising. The Lord is about to cause you to sit down and eat peacefully in the presence of your enemies. Oh, keep singing, keep praising. We're about to walk into our Rehoboth. Last story, and we're gonna we're gonna sing in praise. And we're gonna pray. Because there's some in here under the sound of my voice. You may be good in these four areas, but there's this one area of your heart you've given up, you haven't even communicated to your spouse yet. No one else on earth knows but you and God. No, I've given up on that. I've given up on that dream, on that prophecy. I've given up on it. I'll never fill in the blank. Adoniram Judson labored faithfully in Burma, listen, for 18 years without a break. And his first six years in Burma, he didn't see one person saved. Listen. Not one saved. I'd have lost my mind. As a matter of fact, 12 years in, he only had 18 converts. We would look and say, man, Adoniram, are you sure you're in the right place, dude? You got no fruit hanging out. What's going on? He said he never saw a ship leave Burma without wanting to get on board and go home. When his wife became sick and had to go home for two years without him, he wrote, if we could find some quiet resting place on earth where we could spend the rest of our days in peace and perform the ordinary services of religion, I'd go. But then he wrote, life is short, happiness consists not in outward circumstances. Listen, the man who spent six years without a convert, 12 years 
before he saw 18 people saved, wound up staying in Burma for 40 years. He translated the Bible into Burmese and became the father of Baptist missions. Here's what blows me away. He went to Burma without anyone knowing about Christianity at all. Six years, not one Christian in that whole place. After his death, after 40 years of ministry in Burma, where nobody was a Christian and nobody was saved, a government survey was recorded that there were 210,000 Christians, one out of every 58 Burmans, because he wouldn't quit. I've preached the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Your word has gone forth. They'll sing something. I don't know what they're going to sing. It doesn't matter. We're going to sing in praise. But if you'll own it today, this is what I felt like the Lord was telling me. If you'll own it today, listen, I owned it two weeks ago in here. I bared my soul before you, and it's been a great two weeks. I feel encouraged and invigorated and different in myself. God says if you'll own it today, he'll put, he'll put the fight back in you. He'll put the joy back in you. He'll put the peace back in you. Fill in the blank, he'll put it back in you. 